This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from Talk Sport, the record book. Hello and welcome once again to a podcast that's got a different name. Now, my two guests may not have noticed the change in the name, and it was just called the Record Book Podcast. Now it's called Danny Kelly's Record Book Podcast. Oh, Available, of course, I don't want to be part of this anymore. Through the oh, Game Day Network. Now, that could be one of two this? things. Either that my contributions have been so stellar, so fantastic, so unchallengeably brilliant that they've had to change the name, or it could be going very badly, the podcast, and they need someone to blame. <laughs> either, either way, my name is now on the marquee, so welcome to Danny Kelly's Record Book Podcast, which would be nothing without the little people who turn up every week. Not you, the <laughs> listeners. You're the big people. The little people who turn up every week. I can't even see them these days, which is a damn shame, because I'm still doing this remotely. Um, but actually, this week, after last week's extraordinary um, version of the podcast, we've had decided we'd go right to the top of the tree, no expense expended, bringing back the actual A-team um, among our regular guests. So it's a big welcome back after three months. I'm delighted to say... Uh, to, um, well, performer um, and football pundit and comedian um, and all the other things that Mark Smith is. Hello, Mark. Hello, Danny. Hello. Thanks for having me on again. Oh, no, we, 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 we cried when we couldn't afford you. And now we've just got a few bob left um, to eke out the company to get you on for the last few shows of the season. Mark Webster is the person you can hear bellowing with laughter next to I guffawed uh, at the No uh, introduction necessary. Broadcasting legend around the place. Music, football, all the things that matter. He is the man in the know. And a big welcome to you as well, Mark. Cheers, Dan. <laughs> side is uh, Tierney into the area Saka with the volley lovely turn what a great finish that is it's Greenwood getting it back right hand side of the area tries to drive oh, and wow. another sensational goal from Mason Greenwood this time on his right foot drifted away from Diego Rico and smacked a right-footed effort right into the postage stamp. Here's Berger from the free kick, gets it to Osborne, 25 yards out, puts the crossing, flicked on by Sharp, chance at the far post, and it's smashed in, and John Egan on the half volley has rifled the ball into the top corner. Mark, Mark Smith, because you sound to me like you've had the least fun in the lockdown why don't you start to get yourself up and running again who's your hero of the week well this makes up for all of those uh, long days looking after an infant <laughs> uh, my my hero of the week 
Uh, it's actually heroes. It's uh, mm. young English attacking talent. Oh, true, true, true. I think it's been a fantastic week for a number of uh, uh, young lads. I say our there, Danny. I appreciate that you're more of an no, island no, guy. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, don't forget, I, I am. I have um, uh, b- both both things going on. I want England and the Republic to do well because of my upbringing and my background. So no, don't, don't worry about that. Let's call so them I can our still players say we, for now. Yeah, fine. Well, we look in yeah. pretty good shape, I think. I, I mean, I'm looking at particularly uh, Mason Greenwood at United. Uh, I think Phil Foden was outstanding against Liverpool mm. uh, last week. Um, Mason Mount was man of the match yesterday. Uh, Chelsea Watford. Um, it just—I can't remember a time. But Kaya Saka at Arsenal. Oh, oh I was, was going to exactly. get onto him. Don't yeah. you worry about yeah. that. But I can't remember a time when we've had so much uh, strength in depth in attacking areas for England, particularly yeah. wide. I mean, I remember when we had years and years searching for a left winger when we'd, we'd stick Paul Scholes out on the left wing and just hope for the best. And now we've got all sorts of quality in that position. Rooney haunted that space for much too long, didn't he? Absolutely. Yeah. But I'm looking at it now, and I'm looking at not just players that were fantastic this weekend, but more generally England's strength and depth in those wide areas and attacking areas. And on the left, I'm thinking, you know, you've got Raheem Sterling, you've yeah. got Marcus Rashford, still very young, those guys. You've got Jack Grealish coming through. On the right, you've got Jaden Sancho, you've got hudson Adoy. The options are absolutely incredible. Phil Foden coming through, if he, if, and it is a big if, if he's able to step into David Silver's shoes next season, we could have an absolute world-class player on our hands in number 10 as well. I mean, I it's mean, so exciting. It, it's been a great absolutely. weekend for those and it looks, like, it, it looks, Mark, though, England might have gained a huge advantage by the pandemic causing the European Championship to be cancelled because in the upcoming year, we will see... Um, as you mentioned there, Phil Foden, Bakayo Saka, um, Mason Greenwood, all of whom who would probably have not gone this summer will definitely go uh, next summer. There's a whole load more. The problem is, uh, Mark Webster, um, is that that's all very well. And, of course, the game's all about attacking these days. We know that. Um, But while the England defence consists of Harry Maguire... um, revealed in the in the last few games to have no pace particularly and a and other i mean they've got to find someone to play at the back haven't they i've got gomez my, surely well gomez is good my i've got i must say my, i've got a problem with the triangle <laughs> i.e the keeper and the two center halves. oh yeah but, look, uh, 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 but listen that's but that's there's eight other bodies and there's and we've got we've got decent keepers and decent center halves so we're not going to have to defend mark it's going to be it's all irrelevant each game i'm happy with that it's, it's, I mean, you're right about Saka. I didn't mention him uh, particularly because he I don't see him as an attacker. He's a player who seems to be able to play any position yeah. on the pitch yeah, at all. Yeah, brilliant. He's played four or five positions in the last two and years. And I will mention Arsenal later, but this is back to your point, Dan, isn't it? Is that what we've ended up with is this kind of obviously sort of protracted, bizarrely shaped period of time in which all the footballers that Mark's talking about are going to get extra game time in situations which can only help their careers. Yeah, yeah. You know, give uh, it a year, give it 12 months. Can you imagine? Oh, we might, we I mean, might yeah. be weak in goal, we might be weak at centre-back, but we've got about five world-class right-backs and about 15 yeah. wingers. So I think our formation Gareth, might be interesting. Gareth Southgate, um, who perhaps used up all his bad luck with that penalty miss, um, and he, I'm sure he's doing a great job as coach and manager and mentor and, and uh, uh, motivator, Boy, he's a, he's a lucky sod. All these England players suddenly pouring out of the yeah. academies <laughs> straight into the national team. That's a very good call. Now, one of the people who I don't think um, will be going um, with the England team to the European Championship is your choice for Hero of the Week, Mark Webster. Somewhat selfish. And you're right, he's 30 years old now. And it's Mikel Antonio. And mm. 
if you're looking around for people who've kind of stepped up and, and, and done the job that's been required of them in the, you know, in the situation after we've come back to football, then Mikel Antonio's basically done that in his career at West Ham anyway. Unfavoured, I think, is easy to say by me, uh, by Pellegrini, who just saw there not a cultured enough footballer for his own taking. Stuck him at right back a lot. It was it was horrible. He's, he's had five years at West Ham. He had a big season out after the time he got Hammer of the Year. But he's come, he's come back, two goals, two games, four points for West Ham in that period. And... We all know, we've all had them in our football teams, that the, 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 the catalyst, the talismanic figure, the, the person who kind of seems to be the touchstone that makes things right for your, your team. And he hasn't got to be your best player. No. But he's got to be the guy that kind of seems to rally everybody. Yeah. And that's Antonio, doesn't he? Yeah, I think I think he does. And he's at the, he's played centre forward, he's run his socks off. He he did an hilarious post match interview when West Ham beat Chelsea in midweek because he's basically unreconstructed and says, says things <laughs> because he likes saying them rather than he think that he's saying what he's he should be saying. I mean, I've got media a savvy spot wise. for him, Mark, because um due to my work in talk sport, I've become privileged enough to be able to call a former England legend and mate, and that's Stuart Pearce. And Stuart, you only, I mean, doesn't have to be in the pub anywhere that you start to mention about his uh, career as a coach and a manager. Um, I think he's the thing that makes him most proud, and that includes his, you know, various triumphs as England under 21 manager. What he's most proud of is, is grabbing Mikel Antonio out of non-league football. I think Stuart's particularly proud of it because he, of course, followed a very similar path. Yeah, yeah um, good point. Mikel came out of Tooting and Mitchum, I think. That's right. And, um, and Wheelstone in the case of Stuart Pearce. And he is he, he bursts with pride when he sees this fellow making a career for himself at the very top of English football. Well, um, and you're, you're right to say he's, he's, a, he's a proper talisman. Um, yeah. And I have to say, Mark, if you'll excuse a Spurs fan saying this, compared to some of West Ham's forward players in the past few years, his work rate compared to some of his teammates yes. is extraordinary. He does, he, and, and and that's exactly the point, Danny. He, 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 he you know, he drags you. He's that fella that you can see. Well, come on, keep up, and and there is an element of that that you see around him. He's and it's, it's infectious, isn't it? When you've got a footballer like that, and the fact he's playing out of position. But, you know, and you'd rather see him kind of perhaps doing his job from somewhere else. I certainly would. But, you know, needs must. And, yeah. and that's the other great thing about him is that he just does just the jobs he's it. asked to do. Yeah. When, when he was at Forest, I saw a lot of him yeah. when he was at Forest, obviously being a Derby County supporter. And he, he, was, he was always really hyped up from friends of mine who watched him a lot. And I remember seeing him and thinking, well, yeah, you know, he's a good runner and he gets stuck in and he is physical and all this. But actually, there's more to him than that. Definitely. His, his positional play is excellent in whatever position he's playing in. His hold-up play is really good. He's very powerful. He's got a very good football brain on him. He knows when to bring people in, how to bring people yes. in. And I think he's exactly what you want. He, he reminds me of uh, um, the Alex Ferguson players who used to be squad players who would play 15, 20 games a season. But they're there because they can fill any position and every job they do is to an excellent level. Yeah. And and he yeah. cost nothing. He was 7 million quid a few, you know, just whatever yeah, it was about, peanuts now, about four or five years ago. So, I, and he got, himself an, he got himself in the England squad, certainly as well. So just, and, and it's back to your point, Dan. It is that idea of a fella who's dragged himself up by his bootstraps and, and came through 
yeah. as you say, grassroots football. Um, and because he played, he played a lot of football at that level on loan and stuff like that. Even though he got bought, so he's come relatively late to the game, as indeed other superstars of over the, the last few days have. And uh, indeed, and, and, and I mean, my so that's that's two brilliant um, nominations for hero of the week: the young England players and Mikel Antonio. Um, I want to th- add a third one that I think is equally worthy of mention and um, our, our you know, highest hats raised into the air. And that is a player who I don't suppose he's been uh, uh, nominated before uh, for uh, the Hero of the Week. And that is the Sheffield United and Republic of Ireland um, defender, John Egan. Yeah. Um, John Egan... Uh, scored the equaliser for Sheffield United against Burnley what, what a this rattled weekend. Rattled it, didn't he? Rattled it. Absolutely rattled it into the net, which means um, that Egan has now scored. Let me get the exact details. When this is a defender, by the way, he has scored in all four of the divisions of English professional football. Oh, wow. um, he scored a single goal in League Two. He scored ten goals in League One, seven in the Championship, and that goal that he got. Uh, this weekend was his first in the Premier League. Now, there are not many players, because of the way the game is constructed these days, who will play in all four divisions, never mind score in all four divisions. And for a defender to do it, um, tells you that this fella has an attitude and uh, a will to play the game and to play it well. Um, that That's unmatched. Really, really brilliant for John Egan. I'm thrilled for him, actually. Um, and... You know, he's 27 years of age. Another one that we took, you know, in the, in the weekend when, when Jamie Vardy, a, a further player who's come from the lower reaches of the pyramid, Halifax Town, I think, he started out in. Um, for John Egan to have done what he's done um, brings a little tear to my eye because I love the football pyramid and I love those players who travel up it. These days, nobody goes down it like in the old days. We discussed this before, Mark Webster, where yeah. you'd see a 35-year-old ex-England international uh, trolling around in a centre circle uh, in League Two. That <laughs> Just spread it around anymore. a little bit. That's yes. right. It doesn't happen anymore. So mm. there is, I think, a, a lovely, uh, a heartwarming um, list of heroes of the week. Mikel Antonio, John Egan, and the English youngsters. Mark Webster, I'll, give you, I'll, I'll let you have the first go. Uh, who, who are you sticking with? Or who are you now changing to? I, I, I'm, I, I like how, Dan, you and I have kind of gone for that kind of like that, you know, that grassroots part of it, that mm. idea of, of, of just coming up and dragging yourself up by your bootstraps. But I'm excited about the England youngsters, I've got to be honest with you. I think they're... I, 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 yes, I, I am, I'm doing it to myself again. I think yeah. England have got something, and yeah, there's absolutely. a golden generation around say, the corner. <laughs> I was about to say, isn't is uh, have we been here before in the in the in the household Webster? I think we have. Yes. Um, all right. Um, I dare say then, Mark Smith, you might. Uh, since we're not competitive, we're just um, we're, we're just uh, trying to shoot the breeze here. I'm uh, you're going to stick with the England youngsters. I am. Yes. Uh, I, okay. Same as Mark, really. I mean, I'm excited that football is back and the restart is is gone very smoothly for everybody but I'm most excited about seeing these young hungry English mm. talented players perform well in one of the best divisions in the world I, I, I can't I can't get over my excitement Danny and I, I'm, I agree with Mark something's going to happen for us in the next five or six years England will win something major and I've got to be honest Dan I'm a little bit above by your choice of Egan because he only got one goal in the second division that's just slacking off <laughs> I mean what was well, he, he, what was he, he up to he was a young man he was just coming through there uh, no um, excuses course, sorry the England youngsters win and uh, I still maintain that I temper my own enthusiasm for the project 
with uh, because I come from an era when de defending still meant something. And I have a suspicion that Declan Rice is going to be very busy oh. over the next few years playing both in midfield and at the back for England yeah, yeah. at the same time. VAR, by the way, is checking the uh, Harry Kane goal. Now, we're having a look here to see uh, whether that is going to be dis disallowed there for... I'm looking to handball, possibly. Uh, a handball, possibly. I think we're living in such peculiar times that I think both the Premiership and the Football League may have to revise short-term its insolvency rules if a number of clubs start going over. Let's call it a tactical break. And if anyone says that is just a drinks break, we all know that is not... Uh... That is not true. It's a tactical break. What about uh, our villain of the week? Um, I think I, know, I have got pre-knowledge, they say. In uh, I've had pre-sight, as they say, in Parliament of your two choices. So I'll go first in this round because um, I don't expect this to win because it's technical and it's nasty. Um, um, but I really, really have got to say my villain of the week could not be anyone else except the owners of Wigan Athletic. Oh, now, dear. we all know that the pandemic means that... Lots of clubs will be struggling to pay the wages, to keep the club going and all the rest of it. We equally know um, that the EFL has its fair share of clubs who are financially, and I'm just looking up the correct term, Simon Jordan gave it to me, knackered. Um, <laughs> and, and we all know that there seems to be a problem with those clubs in the Northwest, traditional hot, hotbed of English football, um, who live in the shadow of the giant Northwestern clubs. We've seen Bolton. Um, struggle. We've seen Berry go to the wall, mm. and now it's the turn of Wigan. But this is not about the endemic problems in English football, the systemic issues in English football, though they haven't helped. This is about the owners, um, uh, people from China, um, reputed by uh, via the newspapers in the last few days to be mostly gamblers to have amassed their their fortunes. But the Simon again explained to me the, the ins and outs of this. The original deal they did would have made it very difficult for them to put the club into administration because they had commitments to the club. But the club has now been sold by the new owners to even new owners. But the new owners are the same people as the even newer owners. Um, it's like if you set up Mark Webster Limited and Mark Webster PLC yeah. and sold one to the other. And it is in the sale that the conditions of ownership changed and they were able to take this club not so very long ago, of course, FA Cup winners, and sling them onto the scrap heap of uh, administration, all that goes with that. And already we've seen the, the, the vultures starting to circle. Tottenham, I know, are interested in two of Wigan's youngsters. And I'll put this to you, Mark Smith, because your club is in the championship, maybe not by much longer, Derby County. The no, they'll be safe. The, they'll be safe. The, the fit and proper uh, persons test for clubs, particularly in the championship, which is the division that's blighted with terrible finance. It's just it's not worth the paper it's written on. No, and it's it's uh, it's terrifying. If I'm being completely honest with you, I mean, we've got a chairman in Mel Morris at Derby who, you know. He's been quite uh, creative, let's say, with his accounting and with his he practices has. there. But I think as a baseline with him, we all assume and we all hope and I think we all uh, believe that as a Derby guy, as a Derby County supporter, he has always got the club's best interests at mm. heart. Now, with Wigan and with 
any number of Championship and League One, League Two clubs, when you don't have that personal that connection... That affinity's not there, is it? Yeah, the affinity's gone. And, and, and why would a, a, a multinational conglomerate from China or India or wherever, why would they care? Mm. And that's the problem. So while we've got Mel Morris at Derby, I feel quite confident that we might be okay. But the next owner, we don't know who that is. We don't know who's behind the next owner because, as you know, a lot of these times um, when a club is bought, it's uh, it's a group of people, isn't it? Yeah. And it's just... Yes. Faceless. You, know, you don't know who actually is is running things. So this it's Wigan one of the very few is... places in the world now where the world. I know football has certain words that are only used in football. Are judged, obviously, remonstrate, obviously, um, but also the word consortium very rarely comes up now, yeah. except it's a bunch of um, <laughs> largely anonymous people fronted by a former midfielder who are looking to buy a football club. Yeah, it's the consortium. Oh yeah, it's that. It's that, or a consortium of people who are buying a banner to fly over a stadium. That's that's <laughs> yeah. just, that's just smaller consortium, but yeah. they, they yes. certainly are popular nowadays. Yeah. Yes, uh, I've got another word for those people. Actually, but, <laughs> but, but the <laughs> The, the same letter. The, my, my own respect for my own career means I will not utter it in a public place. Um, so that look, that's my rant off my chest. And of course, there are solutions. There should be a proper fit and pro- proper person's test, and there should also be um, a, a system whereby if you buy a football club, you have to put a certain amount of money. Uh, into escrow, you get it back when you sell the club in five years' time. But if you just mess around like this, um, then you lose that significant chunk of change. Well, the EFL as well, by the way. The EFL have a a lot to be blamed on here. They they are a pretty slippery organisation. And I think they've got a lot of history with this sort of thing. So... You know, their hands aren't clean on this either. I, I've got a lot of confidence in Rick Parry, who came obviously from Liverpool and the, and, and, the, and the Premier League as well, in turning it around. He's not been in there long, and I suspect that, that Wigger may be one of the many basket cases that he's referred to when he came into the job, says we've still got a lot of bad apples to get out of the barrel. It's going to be interesting. Hang one. on, his barrels, he's got baskets. Listen, I respect you. You're in a rural setting. I'm trying to yeah. work with you and what's around okay. you to help he's identify. Got a, a whole sim- handcart of problems, hasn't he, that exactly. man? <laughs> yeah. well, uh, a tumbrel. As long as we're, we can go down to, to hell on that particular handcart. I did, this is the same season, if you go down the divisions, that Macclesfield, for several months in a row, failed to do what they were meant to do. And then ultimately, when it came to relegating the last club out of the, out of the Football League into the National League, were deducted one point less than they needed to go down. Now I would my guess was that was somewhat tactical and I and, and I say this with zero knowledge of the kind of actual finances and and the technical side of this is I can't make my head work with the fact that there's that what we've talked about here these kind of anonymous faceless Wigan owners and Wigan yeah. the actual entity that is a football yeah, yeah, club yeah. But listen, being listen, punished we, 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 by we 12 say, points we, and relegation. Absolutely. But we say we say anonymous owners. Don't forget, this is Wigan Athletic. AC Milan was until recently owned by another person in China who, when the Sunday Times did the investigation, they found that he, she or it was in fact an unmanned telephone in a hired office in Beijing. Um, so, you know, we, every club in the world is, is open to this kind of treatment. Um, we have got to press on. So Wigan's owners are one choice of Villain of the Week. Uh, Mark Webster, give me two minutes on your choice for Villain of the Week. Well, uh, happy birthday, belated, because we couldn't celebrate on June the 1st, the offensive handball rule. 
Happy birthday. Yeah, it's just over a year old. IFAB brought it in then, and, uh, of course, it's been... Everyone's enjoyed it ever since. The stupidest rule ever introduced into football because... Offsiders come, offsiders gone, blah, 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 this, that and the other. Splitting handball into offensive and defensive is a joke. And the, and uh, and just to quote David Ellery from a year ago, um, who, who seemed very pleased with his involvement in this, and there's a very complex description of how it works, it, it's all about the offensive handball. Uh, if it gets a clear, unfair advantage by gaining possession or control. Danny Kelly, I refer you to Lucas Mora in the oh. week. Look, let's, this let's is why visit. I mention it. I mean, yeah. I and first of all, let me say that I've got no part of my Spurs heart thinks that Spurs were going to win that game anyway. They were useless. They were shocking. And Mourinho has already got part four of his five-part plan to get into clubs, ruin them, and get out again. He's already up to part four. <laughs> he's isn't flying, he? Is he? Uh, yeah. he? He's really accelerated. <laughs> Manchester United took two and a half years to get fed up. It's less than seven he's months. Improved. It's hitting Tottenham. a stride this time. <laughs> but, but not only not only did Lucas Moura get fouled. So the advantage rule is now the latest victim of VAR. Oh, you cut! They couldn't uh, review that bit. Mora goes a- down, but the, the contact with the ball comes. If there was a handball, and that's yet to be proven to me in a court of law. When the Sheffield United player kicks the ball at him, so yeah, he's been yeah. fouled from one hand, and and poor yeah, but apart term. from that, yeah, and then the, the ball's kicked at his vaguely in his general direction. And Michael Oliver, who is the best referee in the Premier League, was the VAR person in the truck in West London when that happened. He could, at a time when statues are very unfashionable, he could have had a statue to himself raised at St George's Park if all he said was, guys, this is, by the letter of the law, the legalistic letter of the law, that I'm going to, I have to disallow that goal. But if he said, said instead, I'm sorry, the spirit of football and the spirit of anyone who's ever played the game from Hackney Marshes to the Maracana, Tells you that, that is a that is a perfectly good goal. Well, Incidentally, yeah. by the way, um, what a day for Harry Kane! He had the ball in the net four times, <laughs> yeah, and three yeah. of them were chalked off. See, see, I can't, <laughs> uh, but I can't. This uh, this isn't you, the, you, the emperor has got his kit on and he's walking down the road. He is not naked. You can't blame the technology on this. It's no. the rule, you, and you they can't blame Michael Oliver. A rule. It's yeah. He would get in trouble if he allowed that goal. Of course he would, because so he, what? he would be so again, I, If I might quote the great Sam Spade, a certain rules. amount of trouble I can deal with. <laughs> yeah, but he didn't have the FA above him, who are hawkish and awful, and yeah. they will they will get rid of Michael Oliver. The, uh, the, uh, they would not. The, Michael I, Oliver I is like now the more powerful. Of, the the I, FA is deflated, let down pancake of a thing <laughs> that's having to let go its staff because it can't organise its finances, and Michael Oliver could have become the head of the FA overnight if it allowed that <laughs> Would goal. have been played, obviously, by Humphrey Bogard in the remake of this as a film there, Cliff, or in, yes, in, in your head, Dan, that, but I don't fair. think that's happening, yeah. But Mark Smith, I mean, if Wigan's owners are bad and the attacking handball rule is even worse, I still think you're with a chance in this round. Who's your <laughs> villain of the week? <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, the, the Wigan owners do seem bad, but this is worse. I've got to go for the drinks break, Danny. Oh, well, I mean, you literally yeah. are going to go for a drinks break. Yeah, that's do you what not I mean, do you understand what I... the speed we're, we're trying to rattle through this? Air? The drinks break. It's uh, look. I understand. I understand if we're playing a World Cup somewhere hot in the middle of June. It's thirty-five degrees. I understand that. You know, we're in an age of health and safety. I don't want the players to get ill or have to go off the pitch because they're like desiccate. Yeah, yeah, fine. I understand that. What I don't need is when it's thirteen degrees. It's Drizzling, blowing a massive you can, gale. You can see people's breath when they're breathing, <laughs> and they're having to stop and ruin all the momentum that a team might have. 
halfway through a half, twice over the game. We already have stoppages. We have three or four minute stoppages for VAR. We've got stoppages for time wasting. Plenty of we subs. We don't need any. We've got five subs. Plenty we of subs. We don't need more time taken off. I've always been an advocate, and you might disagree with this, I've always been an advocate for stopping the game when the ball goes out of play, like they do in American sports. That stop way, the clock, yeah. Stop the yeah. clock. That way we know that time wasting doesn't matter anymore. You get more time at the game. You get more for your money, essentially. Because yeah. I think the, the stats are something like you only get about 70 minutes of football in a, a game. The rest of it is uh, is dead ball. It's uh, poning about, yeah. Yeah, exactly. We do well, not listen, need more time wasted on a drinks break. We saw the, games the yesterday... Test- Sorry, go on, I, I must admit, I, it really was testing me, Mark Webb, today when I... I mean, first of all, let's just say, this is here to stay now because, of course, you can get an advertising break into it. Um, but um, today, I thought, here we go. This is a game between Burnley and Sheffield United. Neither exactly of them renowned of. for their um, rapier-like football at Turf Moor, in front of no fans, <laughs> in the rain... <laughs> What else can they do to make me want to switch this game off? Yeah. Oh, hang on. Stop They're it. having a break in the middle of a shower. Tell you, but by the way, in that, game, in that game specifically, in the first half, the first half of the first half, so let's call it the first quarter, yeah. we had Sheffield United had 63% possession. Thank you. It's a quarter now. Thank you. Yeah, yeah it's this good is what man. we're going to. And then in the, the second quarter, the second half of the first half, it completely switched on its head, and all of a sudden Burnley had 63% possession. So the game's momentum has been shifted completely to yeah. the point that halves don't mean anything There anymore. would be a thing, like in American sports, if you could hear the coaches, mm. but they but they blather over it, so we don't even get to enjoy the moment of trying to sort of yeah. eavesdrop on, on... I want to hear like a Sean Dyche, Doc but, Rivers style but, thing. But you look at them and they just wave their arms. There's no real instructions yeah. going on. It, and to, and the actual, the perfect analogy for me happened, happened to me in the week. I was on uh, the London Underground system at really? Earl's Court Station. I've heard of it. Waiting to travel head uh, head west on the on the district line, and uh, stood there for uh, twenty minutes. And I watched six trains go into the Wimbledon branch of mm. the district line. Oh, because it's Wimbledon. Mm-hmm. This is oh, the tennis God. is on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. the trains are still Fuck. running. Thwok. There's no tennis. Thwok. Thwok. <laughs> the trains are still, and it's like the drinks race. It's like, get some context, everyone. Yeah. Yes, we get you introduce the drinks break in Webster. hot World Cups. Thwok. Thwok. Yeah, I mean, I managed to just to get home to see Boris Becker win in 1972 Absol- on the telly. You know, absolutely ridiculous. And what a brilliant lineup of villains this weekend. The real um, non-pantomime villains of Wigan's owners. The ludicrous lawmakers of IFAB and their attacking handball. Happy birthday to that as well. <laughs> and the drinks break, which we're here, sitting here taking the mickey out of it, but I guarantee you it'll continue next season, whenever and however that is played out. Um, Mark Smith, you can go first this time. Of those three horror shows, which one do you want to choose for the villain of the week? Uh, well, as much as I, uh, I do hate the drinks break, uh, I'm going to be serious for a minute and say it's got to be Wigan, hasn't it? It's got to be Wigan's owners. It's uh, it's an absolute disgrace. That club has won huge competitions in the very recent history. Yeah. And for, to see what's happening with them, a club similar size to the club I support, it does hit home. So it's got to be Wigan's owners. Be- Barry, Barry didn't sort of make a calculated piece of fiscal manoeuvring to get themselves where they got to. Mm. And it just smells, Dan, doesn't it, that, that all yeah. this is... It's just a little bit of ducking and diving, not the fact that Wigan were on the cusp and gone. No, and the the you know the, the these weasels who have done this, as you say, this uh, this snaky turn uh, to get the club into administration. Of course, they're they're pleading poverty and saying 
Um, it's the pandemic. We're going to miss five home games. Um, at the, even with the best will in the world, that's half a million quid. Sorry, you're supposed to be these big-time Charlies um, with, with all this dough and all the rest of it. That's what you told the EFL. Half a million quid is a lot of money to want, but not if you're supposed to be as rich as these people. I, I think we're all in agreement. They are the Wiggins owners, the villains of the week. <laughs> Plushcare.com/slash/weightloss. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides, and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus. Be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. There's the full-time whistle. Celebrations on the touchline for Ralph Harden Hootel. I had a good feeling the whole week. The guys were fantastic working, and yeah, uh, yeah. Finally, all the bad games we made at home uh, ended up in a nearly perfect one. Here's Lacazette inside the area, twisting away from the defender and shooting towards the far corner, and putting Arsenal into a 2-0 and unassailable lead right at the end of the game. Best performance um, of the week. Um, Mark Webster, why don't you start with your best performance of the week? Well, I have been, and, I've, and, and I must say that I, I'm, I put this in context of enjoy, having kind of settled in now. I've bedded into what I know is how I'm watching my football, and this is it, and such is life, and it won't be like this forever. So I'm relatively content with it all. And it'd be looking to see who's come, who's come on strong since the since the break. There are the usual suspects, but Arsenal in the last two games have surprised me quite a lot because it's just still so patchy. And it started so well with David Luiz, didn't it? I mean, yeah, well, you just, that really you was just hope this was it? the future. Mm-hmm. Is that David Luiz getting the perfect act trick, of course, of a card, <laughs> a penalty and sent off? I mean, and, did, oh, and sorry, a, a, a card, a penalty, sent off and a new contract. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. that's the punishment. <laughs> but he gets his, what's it, three game ban and a one year deal. Is that how it Brilliant. works? I forget how. I, who knew how football worked? I, I, I don't understand. You know, the, in the corridors of power, they do what they do. But I've got to be honest with you. When um, they took they took Norwich apart, and I suppose that's technically what you're meant to do. But Arsenal haven't done technically what they're meant to do necessarily for ages. But away to Wolves on on the Saturday was a terrific performance, and. It's been good to watch. Sorry, Dan. 
I know yeah. I'm throwing I'm throwing the other half of North London in your face. But I but I've enjoyed if, it and if, I've enjoyed it. If I had the... any defence, if Spurs were any good at all, I could possibly object to that. But since they are abysmal, um, and we uh, and all the rest, of, I, you you you're per, you can take Arsenal and slap me around the head with it like a wet fish because I've got no defence at all. They are, I'm kippering you as we speak, I, I, and yeah. I, I like that, and it kind of fits into what we've been talking about anyway. I I love the fact that their kids are getting a run out and are clearly making an impact, and whether Aubameyang stays or not, they ended up with someone there who is. Who's just such a kind? In, if I go back to the Antonio reference, what the word we used earlier is that kind of talis, talismanic figure. Yeah, yeah. And they just they just look right at the moment, and and uh, they, they're not going to make a massive impact in terms of this season, I'm sure. But you get the funny feeling that perhaps Arsenal and Arteta are the fit. Maybe it's the start of something. Yeah, I, I do feel like. Um... They still need what they've needed for about 15 years, which is some real solid steel in the middle of that mid- yeah. midfield. But I think Arteta knows that. And I, if I was an Arsenal fan, which I am not, I would really trust him to bring in those one or two players that could plug that gap. I don't think they're and anywhere the, near the, there the just yet. The only crumb of comfort I've got from this, um, having had the fish whacked around my um, already space hopper red head, um, is the is the, the certain knowledge that, that unless Arsenal do something radical with the back end of their team, um, these occasional green sheets, shoots of recovery, um, will be accompanied by slapstick performances like we saw at the start of the restart. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, while, while you've, you've hurt me a little bit, Mark, I suspect the ointment of Arsenal's inconsistency will still be available to me for many months to <laughs> yes. come. I, I, I offer you up two games. I, I, I yeah. can do no, no that's more. Fine. No, 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 no. It's performance of the week. I get that. It's the yeah. best performance of the week. I get that. But I still think there's other performances around the corner from Arsenal. Um, <laughs> Take Mark Smith, in that. Mark Smith, uh, you've got... You've got uh, a more, a more wide-ranging performance of the week. I have, yeah. I've gone for the concept of uh, football clubs sticking with managers. Now, this is something that is quite alien to a lot of clubs who just seem to go through managers every couple of months. Right. But I'm thinking specifically about Southampton, who we saw beat Man City today and put in an absolutely fantastic performance, by the way. I don't know if you saw it, but it was just... It felt like attack versus defence. Uh, the defenders were just putting their bodies on the line I think every other t- yeah. time Man City got the ball and when they got the chance Che Adams took it and it was it was fantastic and this is a Man Great City goal. that are playing like they on they know they've got big games coming so yeah. I don't think they're throwing this one away will no, they no not at all but but Southampton let's not forget this is a side that in October lost 9-0 at home yeah. to Leicester yeah. now you've got probably 80% of all chairmen would really be thinking long and hard after the result like that Home loss 9-0 on Sky Sports, by the way. It was on live for everybody to witness the murder. Horrible And jolly see. good fun it was as well. It was, it was good fun, yeah. But this is the did time, get, isn't You didn't get bored around six and seven, no? <laughs> no, just, sir. I'm calling for in. double figures by then. <laughs> but this is when you have a team of players who have been through something, let's face it, in football terms, it's traumatic, isn't it? And yeah. they've looked deep into each yeah. other's, the whites of their eyes, and they've seen into their souls, and they've come out the other end fighting for each other, fighting for the club. And it could go either way, that, can't it? Because sometimes it goes to pieces. Yes. But on this occasion, they've stuck together. They've got some form out of Danny Ings, who looks absolutely fantastic. They look a lot more organised at the back. And I feel like, in a way, in a strange way, that 9-0 drubbing has probably made their season. And the the game at home to Man City today, I just thought they were tremendous. So that's Hasenhutl. There's other examples in the league as well. Solskjaer was under so much pressure this time last year. True, true. And now I look at Man United and I think, well, actually, these are 
I can absolutely see this team doing something quite big in the next year or two. I'm not saying they're going to win the league next season, but they're certainly going to be closer than they are now. And I think that's a lot to do with Solskjaer and his his medium to long-term planning, bringing in the right characters. There's other examples. Sean Dyche at Burnley, another decent result today, good result in the week. He's been there forever, doesn't seem to be leaving anytime soon. And the one I always think about, Jurgen Klopp. It's not that long ago where we had people calling in at TalkSport demanding he be sacked. I remember at Christmas, two Christmases ago, people saying that. And sometimes you need to let a manager see their plan out to fruition and this is what you get. You get a team, a proper team with a proper bond who know each other's game. You didn't need to make signings last summer because they were really getting to know each other's game. And, you know, these are the well, rewards. This is, that was almost poetic there. Um, but I, I, Mark, if I may object to this ever so slightly, no, and because no, my not. own best performance of the week is very short-lived, so I can just... It is this. Um, yeah, the fact that you could name four examples who... So you've got 90 clubs, and you're talking about, since you mentioned Klopp, about five years. That's an awful lot of football club years. And mostly what you've seen is managers coming in doing rubbish, getting the sack, and deserving to get the sack. I don't understand this business. I'm, I'm a, With the exception of Pochettino, I was a great one for getting rid of the managers. By and large, fans can tell within about six weeks when it's going to work with a new manager, and they can certainly tell when it's time for them to go, which is usually about six weeks to eight weeks before the board <laughs> start to um, realise that everything has gone absolutely yeah, wrong. But, but, of course, the that. examples you... Yeah, sorry, go on. Go on. No, go on. No, no, the example you give of Hasenhutl, I mean, I don't, I don't know why Southampton stuck with him. I mean, he must have said something amazing at the board meeting that week, 9-0, at home, on telly, as you quite rightly point out. And, you know, it could have been 12. Um, we can't <laughs> even say that, you know, it was a bit lucky. They were a bit lucky, Leicester. They could have had 12 on the day. But Solskjaer, Mark, is the one I would... You know, I, I, I get you on Hasenhut, and, and as you say, beating Man City, you know, it, at the weekend has, has been tremendous. But Solskjaer is, the, I think, the perfect example of what you're saying because he was sacked about six times in yeah, everybody's yeah, yeah. head yeah. In, in the time that he's been there. And I've got to say, in terms of the teams since the comeback, and I mentioned Arsenal because of these last two games, yes. if, I take, if I take the return as a whole, United have been thrilling to watch. Yeah, United have been the best team. And, 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 and you back. have to say, surely you have to say, because if, the, if it's bad, it's the manager's fault. If it's good, it's the manager's fault, isn't it? Yeah, you've got and, to give And I credit, credit yeah. where it's due to him, I think. Yeah, because I do think that, I mean, certainly Southampton's manager probably would have gone in another situation. It could easily be a case that we're looking at Southampton now. They're in the bottom three. They've been really struggling. They've got a manager who doesn't know the league very well. But they didn't, and they gave him a shot. Solskjaer, another one. There are these examples, and I think hopefully it means that managers get just get more of an opportunity, more than six months. Maybe they get a year. And especially at the minute, you know, money's going to be a lot tighter for the next couple of years, I think, as a result of the pandemic. And chairman might be a bit more... Uh, reluctant to to pull the trigger and pay off big contracts just because they've had a bad six games. I think Dan, those rolling one month contracts that you're uh, that you're yes, advocating. I, I, but also, I'm, I'm also dead set against this, and it can't win this section. I'm dead set against this um, because <laughs> Sorry, you're Mark. now condemning me to another six months, nine months, this a year, true. two years. This is why I'm saying of Jose it, Mourinho. No way. <laughs> he needs time, Danny. He needs time. Oh no, no, no. This is different. He's, this gone, is, this is he's different. gone from. I love every. I love this squad. I absolutely love it. I love this lovely purple kit they have for training in 
to saying, you know, after the game against Sheffield United, where, to be fair, he was right, these are all rubbish and I must move them all on. <laughs> there, um, are, there are there are anomalies, and if you've got a psychopath in charge, I'd say, yeah, maybe do get rid of them. But, yeah, thank you, thank yeah. you. My, my performance <laughs> of the week, actually, um, is really an addendum to what uh, you were talking about there because Southampton's victory over Manchester City, A, absolutely guarantees them safety in the league after that 9-0 win does justify the decision to keep Ralph Hasenhutl, and how much do I like saying his name, Ralph Hasenhutl, um, in the gig. Um, but what a performance today by Southampton in general. But Alex McCarthy, such as modern football, where there's a lot of play condensed into the midfield, the goalkeepers rarely get a chance to have an absolutely world-class performance, an absolute theatrical day out. Um, and today, Alex McCarthy, though, as City pushed them back and back and back, and by the way, brought on substitutes, substitutes like Kevin De Bruyne, and he made save after... I know, of course, his teammates also threw themselves into the firing line, but McCarthy made save after save after save after save. Um, and in the end, to, in the two minutes into the added-on time, he made his only mistake of the game, where he came out and palmed the ball down to one of Manchester City's players. And I thought... Oh no, the gods of football are about to punish Alex McCarthy despite having a brilliant day and they're going to score. The fact that they didn't told me that the gods are in a particularly good mood uh, just now. Um, and it was a, an amazing performance by a goalkeeper. As I say, you don't see them very much these days because the game is often... There's less shots, in my opinion, than there used to be. People trying to walk the ball into the net. But City had a lot of shots at goal and he saved everything that could be thrown at them. And I wonder if it is age, he might, you know, we took, we, we touched on earlier, didn't we? Arguably the issue for England in the future is the keeper and centre-halves. And I, I think McCarthy, I mean, McCarthy's, you know, he's, he's probably the age that keepers are meant how, to how be. Old is he? How old is he? He'd be 30 or something, won't he? Is he good enough with his feet? Because I think that seems to be something that's that a big gets, deal, uh... yeah. That's right, yeah. I guess that's a point. Well, uh, but I like uh, him as just, I like you, Dan. I think he's a, he's, he's a he, he, he physically looks like keepers used to look a little bit more, which means he's a good shot stopper and he's, he's good under a high ball. Good on crosses, yeah, he yeah. is, yeah. Yeah, the, uh, the, 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 the business about playing out your feet, of course, the stats start to show more and more goals start now. With the goalkeepers, you can't you can't belt the ball long, um, which is annoying because England, all England's talent is going to be up the top half of the pitch. And I will <laughs> see where they are. <laughs> Very quickly, Mark's, Mark Smith, who what's your best performance? Managers get being allowed to chart to manage Alex McCarthy or Arsenal? Um, I'll go Alex McCarthy. Actually, I thought it was an unbelievable oh. performance. <laughs> yeah, I've switched. I've switched my. I've changed my mind. I'm, that's okay. I'm sticking with the Arsenal because I just know that. Uh, it re- I, I need this to make Danny well, feel that little. It's the piquancy of yeah, enjoying your the, moment, Dan. Thanks to Mark Smith, regular guest and always brilliant. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, thanks, I've to lost Mark, th- thanks to Mark Smith, I, I can once again deny Arsenal even this tiny trophy. <laughs> <laughs> Alex McCarthy is the best performance oh, of the weekend. Dear. Brilliant. Well done. And the whole thing is cringy and pathetic, and the Liverpool players will probably feel embarrassed. There's not even any fans there to see it. It's just the whole thing could have been nipped in the bud by Jurgen Klopp. He should have said, no, don't bother. Watford remain deep in relegation turmoil. It's another defeat for Nigel Pearson and for the Hornets. Full time at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea three, Watford nil. Eddie Howe still has so much work to do to keep Bournemouth up. Full time after a brilliant 90 minutes plus at Old Trafford. Manchester United five, Bournemouth two.
We've got one more section to rattle through. Uh, thank you very much, listeners, of course. We really enjoy the fact that you're downloading the podcast and giving us a listen. Um, that is the worst performance of the week. Um, Mark Webster. I, I've had to turn... I, I've gone to the bottom of the Premier League uh, for the purposes of this, and... I, I, perhaps it's wrong to feel I'm, I'm picking on them, but I've gone Watford. And the reason I've gone for Watford is not only have they lost poorly in the last two games, but I'd like to point out the fact that they managed to lose, uh, they had six days between those two games. Something I think you'll find is a rare bird in the current yeah. circumstances. <laughs> and he actually got to have a rest. It's the, like normal football rest. And he did nothing with it. It was um, that they were very poor. They apparently they outran Chelsea by five kilometres more as a team, mm. which means they ran around without the ball a lot longer than Chelsea bothered to have with the ball, because they have seventy percent, thirty percent possession. I don't normally turn to stats in these matters, but you would have thought, wouldn't you, that Watford and Nigel Pearson came in and there was a little bit of promise when he started, a little bit of spark, yeah, yeah, and and not least of which is the fact that Watford weren't a team that you would particularly had in mind when you thought about relegation, I don't think. I think you always thought, okay, they'll be a bit patchy, but they'll be mid-table. Of good players. Exactly. And, they'll, they'll and, exactly, and they've, they've always seemed to buy cleverly in terms of the nature of their football club. And literally, Tom Cleverly. Yes, they did literally buy, and they literally brought him on for Troy Deeney, actually, at the Smith. weekend. Yeah, well played, <laughs> sir. And, 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 and it's just not worked. And Nigel Pearson hasn't worked. And I just think it just in this 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 bizarre fact, this is kind of a little freak moment that Watford actually get an old fashioned break between games and fail to use it dismally. The glee from the West Ham United fan. I the, believe uh, the, there's the, a bit uh, of that the, in there, Dan. The absolute <laughs> nonsense of, of Watford. I mean, I, 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 I without coming Valerie Lobanovsky on this, look it up. Um, I, I think that this, the Watford are. Um, victims of the, the break and, and 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 the no crowds. I think technically good teams. It's just like a training session for them. And Manchester City, I think, were the obvious example. Despite their defeat today, they could have won that game six-one if it wasn't for Alex McCarthy and a wonder goal by Shea Adams, by the way. Um, I think the teams who rely on effort and physical involvement are missing the crowds more than others. And I think Watford, an absolutely classic example of that. And they just can't get themselves up for these games. Um, and Chelsea passed them to death. You mentioned the, the, the possession stats, but they didn't even do justice to the amount of outmaneuvering that Chelsea did of Watford's players, which resulted in those five extra miles of running kilometres of money, running whatever it was. It's chasing, uh, Dan, wasn't it, rather than running? Yeah, yeah you're right. And I just, I, I just think that, well, you, you'll no doubt find me other examples, but I think the teams who play the technical football um, are the ones who are. Oh, they've got the better players anyway, but without the crowd to even things up, particularly in so-called home games, of which there are none now, really. They're all neutral venues, aren't they? I think that uh, Watford are really, really struggling with that. And they are they are West Ham's best hope. They're Aston Villa's best hope. And they are also, um, Mark Smith, the best hope for your worst performers of the week. Yeah, my, my worst performance is Bournemouth for all the oh, things God. that... Mark Webster just said, but uh, just worse. But I worse. I, I, yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, you know, stick a pin in either. Yeah. Really, really, really poor. I mean, I've just, I've just spent five minutes arguing about clubs keeping with their managers and <laughs> sticking with them. But now ah. I, mean, look, I look at Eddie Howe and I think... Wow. It, haunted. Yeah, it, he, he does seem like a haunted man, doesn't he? And it seems almost uh, bizarre that a year or two years ago we were talking about Eddie Howe, you know, 
maybe going to Arsenal or maybe be an England boss or any of these True. things. You, you look at him now and you think, well, I don't really know what's happened here. I don't know how we've got to this to this stage. Um, he's got some talented players that have been out injured. You know, Harry Wilson's just come back. David Brooks has just come back. Of course, you miss those players, but there just seems to be something rotten at the club at the moment, and, or with the team, I should say. And they're not. And and this is the time when you have to kind of remind yourself it's not plucky little Bournemouth, is no. it? There's money at that football club. And they've and, been there for a long time. And now. they bought eBay for big money, not off of eBay, but yeah. from Liverpool. And Solanke, yeah. and there was he was that, nineteen that, million quid. The poor fella was was actually trending on Twitter over the weekend because he's managed to go like forty games or something without scoring a goal. Yes, yeah. it's, it's it's difficult. There, they've not won a game since uh, February the first. I know we've had the 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 layoff, but February first. I mean, that's still got to be psychologically. You haven't won a game for that many yeah. months um, since the since the restart. I mean, they lost at home to Palace, and Palace haven't been great, have they? They lost at home two 0 to Palace, lost away at Wolves. Uh, and then this week got absolutely mullered by Newcastle at home, who we didn't know could score goals. Yeah. And then uh, United. I mean, fair play. United are playing well at the moment. Not a great place to go. Uh, but I also wonder, Danny, if you're if you're right about the the lack of crowd, because although Bournemouth don't get a huge crowd, it is a very tight ground. The, It'll the, be full up. Oh yeah. They feed off the energy of the crowd. Absolutely, yeah. they do. It's not about sizes of crowds. You know, Newcastle have the energy. Liverpool have the energy for fifty thousand plus. Mm. Bournemouth. They, you know, they're knowing that they have to perform for the for those people. Um, I, I just, I really do think that the teams that, I mean, let's be fair, the teams at the bottom of the table, with the exception of Brighton, have all been pretty bad yes. since they came back. And I think part of that is they don't have any home games where the desperation of the relegation battle uh, comes out in energy from the crowd. Yeah. Um, scientifically, um, American studies, not in, in this game, but in another game, um, show that American football show that um, players performing in front of a crowd do about 20% more adrenaline, and the oh, home wow. players another 10% on top of that. Right. Um, I just think that these teams. Um, well, I can actually I could go to the scientific route. Both are useless, aren't they? That's the problem. They're really useless. Um, and finally, then in worst performance, and I don't know whether I'm being um, a, a, an old man here and a bit old manish about it. Um, because uh, we didn't used to do the guard of honour uh, for the winners of the Premier League, and now we do. To me, though, and I, I, I hear the argument, and boy, did the Manchester City players, I thought they did very well to stand there applauding the Liverpool players onto the pitch. Liverpool have been magnificent. They have been fantastic over two seasons. They are the deserved champions of England, Europe, and the world currently, let's not forget. But what is... Football, if it's not about rivalry, why would Manchester City, the previous champions, and the team most likely to challenge them again next season, they can, after the game, they can say, well done, mate. Well, we'll when this is all over, we'll go to a, we'll, we'll have a pint somewhere and we'll celebrate. We'll go to Gary Neville's hotel and we'll celebrate, because <laughs> um, it's handy for both teams, and we'll celebrate um, this, 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 this amazing triumph. Um, but to stand there in two little lines... And of course, it was made worse by the fact there was no crowd, so it's you can so hear hollow. the half-hearted <laughs> applause. I'll do it. This, this is the Manchester City players. It, it was terrible. Well, it, it wasn't for that me, rapturous, Dan. For me, it, what it is, is a sort of souped-up version of the pre-match handshake, which I have no time for at all. Yeah. Why on earth, when you're about to engage in hopefully not quite mortal combat, with the oppo, would you be running down the line, shaking hands with them? Now, if there's one thing the pandemic has done well, it's put a stop to that. <laughs> <laughs> God now, bless this I, pandemic. I am not a fan of the pandemic. Don't get me wrong. 
I am definitely not a fan of it. And the sooner it's over, the better. And as soon as it's defeated and its bones smashed into the earth, um, the better for all of us. But if it's done away with the miserable handshake before the start of the game, so much the better. But the I don't know what you guys thought. Am I, am I just being an, an old curmudgeon uh, here about the Gala no, I'm, I'm on your side with this, Danny. I, I was. Good it, boy. It's, it's horrible. It, I mean, all of the, you know, uh, you know I, I've, I've adored the knee at the whistle because it, it, it's quick and so visual and vivid and to the point, you know, that works for me. But to and it's tr- about something. It stands for something. <laughs> but but to, to retain rituals that patently only matter if there's actually people watching it happen in the room. You know, it, it just, it, it was, it looks, and as you say, if you could, could you look a bit more miserable, lads, while you're doing this for us? <laughs> I mean, they should have been given swords and so they could hold them aloft above their head and you know, give them something to do. But as you say, just sort of limp-wristed applause. It was, who got, who got any joy out of that? Nobody. Even if they'd given them um, garlands of flowers, and those wooden swords that Morris dancers have, at least the Liverpool players who are not from these <laughs> islands place would have learned something about neck. our culture. <laughs> Some Morris dancing yeah. would have been nice. I'm happy yeah. with Morris dancing. I just don't want the... the but that would have been wonderful. A maypole. Yeah. And, yeah. and Lim- basically the opposition dance around a maypole for perhaps yeah. 10 or 15 minutes before kickoff. Maybe but a sacrifice. Getting the best professional <laughs> athletes, professional athletes to clap as though they've got RSI. It was, it was unbelievable. Yeah, um, yeah so, it's ugly. So, so we've got two teams in bad form and uh, unless uh, and if, if Aston Villa can drag themselves through their awful um, closing fixture list, two teams that may well be heading into the Championship, Watford and Bournemouth and the Guard of Honour uh, imposed upon um, Manchester City, and I don't even think enjoyed by the Liverpool players by the look of it. Those are our worst performances of the week, and it's I, I, my turn to start, so we can all argue about this. I'm actually going to stick with the guard of honour. I think it was pathetic. Yeah. Um, Mark Webster. Uh, all the way. I mean, because <laughs> I, I, I suspect Watford and Bournemouth will, will be available over the ensuing weeks. Yeah. But the guard, <laughs> yeah. But the guard of honour, it's there now. It's a one-off, isn't Let's it? Let's enjoy yes. it while we possibly can. Yeah, clean sweep. Fantastic. I'm going to go for it as well. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. Thank you very much indeed, which means that the guard of honour is indeed our worst performance of the week. Thank you both for making Cheers, the last... Dan. Our such a treat. And thank you all for listening to Danny Kelly's Record Book Podcast. You can get it, of course, through the Game Day Network. And I will leave you with this. I want to thank you all um, for listening to this edition of the podcast. And I form a personal guard of honour to you all. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply.